should go here during the title of the thing. Yeah, okay. Is it recording? Doug, yes, Doug, you talk first. Me, me. All right, you go Order first and then. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm gonna look at Joey. But I want you to be talking. <laughs> I will go after Dylan every time. <laughs> hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Desert Tones podcast. Uh, this is Jared, and I'm joined by. Hey, this is Dylan, and I'm Joey. Uh, today we're gonna uh, do a few different things. We're gonna talk about uh, pedals, which is our main topic. But we actually have a few other uh, segments to go over. Uh, and I believe Dylan is gonna tell us about his spectacular trip in Colorado. Yep. Oh, that's cool. I hope it was I am the walrus. Uh, I want you. She's so heavy. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Uh, yeah, I'm so just b- before you talk about Colorado Dylan I'm we're going to go see Coed and Cambria in September and Arctic Monkeys in September in Austin so that's that'll be interesting but the uh, Tesseract show I'm I'm super excited for that's a band I've been waiting for for like 10 years so God. Probably seven now with that one, yeah. All right, Dylan, we're we're all waiting on the edge of our seats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so a couple weeks ago, uh, we went to Boulder, Colorado, and saw uh, Dead & Co. Actually, they were on their final tour, so they were on hit for that. That's a Grateful Dead spinoff with a few of their original members and Tom Mayer and a couple other guys that are sons of Grateful Dead's here playing with them, and this is their allegedly final tour, and they did three shows the best that I've seen. I've seen them four times um, in 16, 17, and 18, and then now back in 23 and 16 and 17. So it was different. The main drummer was a different guy. Yeah. So it was like a little bit more energy, and they just, you know, they just were finding and getting better each time. So yeah. Um, I'm sure, I mean, they were supposed to have called the Quick a long time ago, so I'm sure they'll be back shortly yeah. in some other iteration. But for a final send off, Uh, was O'Teal still playing bass for them? Show can be a different thing, so it's like the thrill of going to make the show and being with no 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Um, uh, the keyboard player is the guy that has the long gray hair, right? Okay. Um, so last time we decided to start a new piece where we talk about what's on our uh, reverb feed. Um, and uh, considering that was such a huge success, we're going to continue doing it. Uh, actually, I, I guess I can go first because mine is fairly short. Um, I've spent like a majority of the last month or two looking at Acoustasonics um, by Fender. Uh, I was primarily looking at the Stratocaster. Um, and uh, I ended up finding one locally, which was super cool, thanks to Dylan. Um, got a really good deal on the on the uh, natural finish uh, Strat. Um, I cleaned it up and oiled it, and it's, it's, it's really sick. I'm really excited about it. Um, and then other than that, uh, I finally bought the Graftech uh, saddles for the for the 50s player strat so those should be here tomorrow which that thing's been without saddles for like a while and then um i've actually been looking at like helix stuff but just just like casually not really like thinking to buy but that that's pretty much it for me Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Those are cool. Uh, I don't really have anything too new. I've been thinking about like the same stuff as normal. Like every now and then, if like I've, I've like shifted for new baritones, I think the, the Gretsch like actual like long baritones that like lows play are really sick. Um, we got some a couple of those coming from the feed. Um, there was a black comet EP thirty EP two, which is like. One it looks just like yours does standard, but it's got um, this like textured uh, select to it that looks like. Oh, that's really cool. Let me actually pull up my thing here because I was also looking at. Um, I've been looking at uh, some of the Paratone tellies also. Um, what else is on my deal here? No, I guess that's everything. Yeah, I thought that I was looking at something else, but it it could have been on on Sweetwater. Yeah, I've been kind of stuck lately. I found a, um, a Jimmy Jimmy like the 
like the like the what's the fly one and like the all the weird ones. The paranormal? Yeah. Yeah. I think they did one that's like a Fender twenty twelve Fender Electric Jazz Fly one. Mm, I think I've seen that. That that just recently came out and that one was really good. Um yeah, and uh, I know we talked about the new PRS stuff last time, but uh, Ivan has announced those AZS series guitars that are like uh, they're like single cut tele shape, um, with a single coil bridge, and then um, I can't remember what's in the neck actually. It's uh, let me see. Oh, is it the steel one? Uh, there's a few different ones. Um there is just the one that's the only one I can really look at and see. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, it is the teal one. Oh yeah, it's a it's a Seymour Duncan uh, Magic Touch Mini, which looks like it looks like a kind of like a crossover between a like a P ninety and a single coil kind of. Hmm. Let me. S and also reminds me of whatever the second uh, Defiant Mini looked a little bit smaller. No, it it it's a vintage mini humbucker. Hmm, that's really interesting. Uh, it looks cool. I mean, that's that's nice. Yeah. Um, I don't really have anything to say about the Acoustasonic other than what I said. I mean, cool that I got it. Uh, the other thing that's come up for me is I've decided to start to make my own cables. Um, instead of buying them and that came up because I've got a coworker that uh, does it uh, and he turned me on to the site called Redco and they sell like just component parts for cables um, and this kind of start that so it, it kind of started with uh, I, I wanted to buy like an actual speak on cable instead of using the adapter that I use right now on the Mesa head to my uh, to my uh, pace cab and then I was looking at like decent quality cables and the there's like a $30 option and then like they jump up to over a hundred. And so I was like, well, you know how, like I knew that that guy had been familiar with ordering the component parts for it. So I was like, okay, well I'll just look at that. And I ended up getting enough or like enough cable and enough connectors to make um, several speaker cables or like uh or like uh monitor cables um a speak on cable uh like two 10 foot instrument cables and about 50 feet of cat 6 ethernet line uh with all the hookups for it ended up being less than buying one one speak on cable aftermarket so and there and the 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 connectors are all like nice connectors like they're not like cheap cheap ones or like the hoza ones they're um 
it's uh, two trick everything, so they're nicer. What turn would you get them? Uh, let me tell you. Oh, uh, it's, uh, it is, uh, it's 19 gauge, uh, uh, Hogami, uh, yeah, it's, uh, well, I've got like a, um, W2524, or, yeah. Let's see, W2524. Yeah, so there's the 2319, and then that's the smaller gauge, and then the 2524, which is the one that I got, which is, which is, uh, it's got a, th it's got, uh, like, thicker shielding around it, um, I believe the overall resistance in it is lower, yeah, um, but that's the thing, is, like, it's 97 cents a foot, like, it's not and the and the and the connectors are like three or four dollars so you know you just have to have to solder it together but you're getting a nice cable for like the speak on cable alone was less than twenty dollars to buy all the parts for it and i can make two of them for under 30 bucks so like i just saved myself a hundred dollars there basically and got all these other cables which is nice like and it seems like a fun project to try, you know. And doing uh, your own Cat 6 is also nice because you can do, like, sp specific lengths. And um, you know that it's, you know, where it comes from and the, qu the quality of it. Um, not that you can't just buy, like, long cables and cut them and then, like, you know, attach the head back onto them afterward. But it's just, I don't know. It's just cool to make your own, I guess. Yeah, I'll probably be wanking it before then. <laughs> the only thing I know about like building some of the cables is that um, one's like the 2314 or 2319 that has like a, a, a thermal conductive plastic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you've got to take that off on the one that I bought too. 
um like it specified that like right on the product page like um actually it i i'm looking at it now it says uh the conductive uh pvc the conductive pvc layer must be removed together with the shielding conductor when wiring otherwise we receive a strange claim <laughs> that the cable is shorting How many strange claims have you received? <laughs> um, anyway, the last thing I'll say about this is I should have ordered patch, like the pancake head patch cable jacks. Uh, that that should be the next thing that I get are those. Um, because I need like specific lengths for the board. Yeah. And uh, that would be a very easy way to achieve that. Maybe I'll do that because I was just going to order s some more of the uh, Ernie Ball uh, ribbon cables. But if I can just make them, that would be easier. Um, speaking of patch cables, today's topic is pedals. Some people pride themselves in not using money at all. Most people, myself included, like to uh, have a couple of flavors to change and affect the sound, but not the amp work to be used. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like protection. Some people swear by it. Some people don't use it at all. <laughs> Some people say they didn't, but they did. <laughs> Um, we'll just cut that in post. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think like maybe the place to start is we can talk about some of the stuff that we own first, but, um, like maybe let's start with like what there's obviously a th like a thousand different types of pedal there's there's like broad categories you know overdrive uh distortion uh delay reverb phaser fuzz um like the major categories that people are most interested in uh like dynamics um eq or uh compression but um and i think we'll probably dive into each each subcategory kind of specifically at some point today this is just kind of an over overview and like a general kind of discussion but um i think we should start with kind of a broad question which is why do each of us use pedals like like what what are we hoping to get out of it that we're not getting out of our our uh, guitar straight into the amp just in general mm, okay i thought of the like obvious ones are like where the amp doesn't offer something like a delay some cases they don't have the reverb or chorus, etc. Um, uh, a lot of it just it's for the dynamics. So with the example of like the like AC30 and like Owl Acrobat and AC50 or other similar amps, uh, when I'm using those, like I'll usually have the amp um, set at like a certain level of breakup, and we'll use drive pedals in front of that to um, to boost that further. And sometimes you can just use a boost. Too, but um, 
there's there's fun in finding the the different types of um distortion or drive that go into all of the amplitude region and the rest of it being the same as well, but normally to get multiple different like gain phases On the you can really pertain to like effectively create a dynamic within whatever you're writing, whatever you're playing. Um so that's one of the big ones and then it it uh it's also like about the feel of it too, cuz like more so like when I think of like when I'm playing the fifty one fifty or an amp like that, a high gain amp that has more than enough gain on tap to do all that or like as much as you would want um using a drive pedal in front of it. And a- this is of course an incredibly common thing to do now but, or has been for a long time, but in front of it will like sort of like lean up the signal the amp is seeing or singing from the guitar and um that's how you get those like much more like crisp or tight like tom hits that are normally just scraping the amp a bit. Not flubby but like not as tight sounding. Not as like lean low end sounding. Um and they have like of course their own like resonance suite that they have that that's what is used for things like the tone control, bass and low treble and stuff like so they can just like pedantuate different parts of the guitar in different ways. But those are some of the most common ones that I like to use and what I like to use. Yeah. Dylan? Yeah, I mean, I definitely just like having having like the various like delays and reverbs and modulations and stuff just as a writing tool to really hang out and and come up with different uh situations with all those effects and that can be really inspiring to write riffs that you wouldn't do just on a basic clean amp tone. Yeah. And so I like that a lot. And um you know, there's like the obvious things like kind of kind of playing a rhythm part and then maybe not using a a overdrive pedal and then when you take the guitar solo you need a boost and you need to kinda bring the volume up or add a little bit more gain and you can have multiple shades of overdrive that are pretty common, stacking overdrive and stuff like that. And that's something that I like to do. Um but yeah, I mean I've I'm probably the least experienced when it comes to like physically use pedals compared to you guys, but I do really like um experimenting with stacking overdrive. Uh and then also like the delay and modulation and like changing the order of them. Yeah. That that those can yield different results. Like even if you don't change where the knobs are but just put them in a different order, that could be really cool to play too. Yeah. And like putting a delay pedal in front of the the preamp, right? On a on a mm-hmm. gain amp that yeah. that's a really cool sound and like just like you just come up with stuff that you wouldn't otherwise think like on a basic regular amp session. Yeah. I think like in a lot of ways it's it's like a form of uh, of play which is really interesting like uh that I don't really often experience when I I play guitar just by itself like there's a sense of of like exploration and fun of like just like dial turning and trying new things or you know cycling through various sounds um it's like kind of whimsical in some way which is interesting uh which I don't really experience that a lot when I'm just sitting down and playing you know and sometimes I I don't want that like I'm trying to achieve something so I don't really want to like I just want this x sound and then I set things accordingly and do it but um I mean I think like I'm pretty big on on effects stuff so I really like to use delay and and reverb and like stack uh delay and, and reverb or uh like run things at at 
different timings and like play around with it like that um i'm not really as versed in like overdrive stuff as like you and joey are um but uh i've recently gotten a little more interested in that now that i actually own like an overdrive pedal for the for bass and for guitar and then i've built a couple of them now so i kind of have a better sense of of how they work and what goes into it um but uh yeah i think you know the the obvious answer is it helps you achieve sounds that you couldn't normally achieve or that push the equipment that you have differently to accentuate different aspects of things um and i think that's why everybody primarily uses pedals but um i just think it's interesting to kind of think about well you know what are we hoping to get out of it i guess and to me it just adds a whole other dimension to playing in you know entirely which i really enjoy yeah that's a cool thing even in the case of like a clean guitar thing right i mean i don't always use them but using like the same setup that we spoke about before in the g30 like using something like uh, a compressor that has a level control that can also then back off on the sound to, to clean the signal up as kind of like you were with the volume control and guitar noise is like another dynamic there too that like it's just fun it gives you a different feel and then having the compressor in there as well just kind of makes it so that you can like in not i say this a lot but not feel like you're so like on mic edge when you're doing something where you can kind of like play the signal and come through and not feel like it's just gonna like blow up yeah Yeah, I've got one up there. You can use it if you want. Um, and there's also once you mentioned uh, pedals that are just as important, but maybe not as extensive. Like an EQ pedal, tuner pedal, and mod kit. Yeah, I've got a lot to say about tuning pedals. Doing things unsolicited. Uh, what do we think are some of the high points of what we we have or or have had but have gotten rid of uh the first pedal i ever got was that i still have it it's the boss xe one that i bought from Stephen cannon in carlsbad shout out to Stephen. we love you Stephen. uh that was the first one i ever got so. is that unlike your only one on the list of pedals that i like yeah like your high point oh no i was just going over the ones that that were the first one but i oh. All right, while he's looking, Dylan, you... Yeah, well, I mean, my first pedal was that Digitech multi-effect. Um, and you still have it, and you still use it every time you play. Yeah, that's what I was looking for. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, it's hard to remember stuff from that first pedal for a long time. I think the second pedal I used was this, like, this EQ pedal that my dad had. So my yeah. Graph, it was this graphic EQ, it was a blue box, and it had none of the graphics on it. <laughs> I remember experimenting with that and also like learning about like music and the effects of it that you heard before. Yeah. And, and I was like, yeah. And I, it's cool. I think that that's kind of part of the tough lesson is just like using a new EQ pedal instead of like a typical overdrive pedal and like using that to like cut lows and boost the mid range and like gives it like a different kind of attack to it that I think is cool. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, so Joey got me turned on to this uh, a while back. Um, it is uh, the um, Sonic Research. Uh, oh my God, what is the name of this? It's the Turbo Tuner. Yeah, the Turbo the Tuner. Yeah, the ST300, and I think we both have the full size, right? Yeah. Yeah. I've had the mini one before in the past. The only reason I don't have it now is because you can't have uh, drive views. So anytime you bring it on over, it's going to be off road cam. I like having it. But like, there would be situations where I'd like to have it on and be able to just see how I'm handling and feeling and that kind of thing. And that's like one of the key points of that tuner is it's just super accurate and super quick to pick up remote. Yeah. Yeah, it's accurate within like 0 0.02 cents or something like that. Um, it's a strobe tuner, um, if that wasn't obvious by the name. Uh, you can also like programs uh, like presets or like like uh, like like tunings into it that you use that it uh, can reference and and you can cycle through them. Um, you can also you can calibrate it. Um, by plugging it into the to a computer i think uh which is interesting um but yeah it's it's super accurate it's super sleek uh the the screen on it is really really bright and it has a really a unique texture to it which i i really like um yeah it's a it's a it's a great tuning pedal like stuff that you think like even if it sounds like it's in tune you know there's still a little bit of room there you know what i mean so you can get it pretty much as per as close to perfect as you're willing to get it because it, it takes a certain amount of patience seeing that ring go one way and then you you know it, it, it's too flat so you go the other way and then it's, it spins the other way you know so you kind of have to sit there with it but um you can just achieve a level of precision that you really can't out of any other tuning pedal uh which is actually stellar so especially if you're going to record or something and you want it to be as like locked in as possible, even if you're like not playing in, in like a standard tuning or you want everything to be like slightly sharp or something, you, you know, you can get it the same every single time. Like, you know, it's just, it's just super crazy. It's cool. Um, I've been, I've been really happy with it. Oh, uh, I don't remember what my first pedal was. Oh yeah, maybe that was my first pedal. No, it was purple. It was like uh it was like kind of like a light purple. Yeah, I t talked about that like in episode 2 or 3 or something. I bought it from Dylan Whitaker. Um <laughs> Um whenever I was playing in a band with him and Colin, what was Colin's last name? White? Gilmore. Gilmore. What the hell? Um <laughs> I, don't, I, I just made that man up. Um, yeah, I was playing in a band with him, Colin uh, Gilmore, and Josh Crabb, and Travis Hatch. And uh, I didn't have a, a pedal to sound heavy, so Dylan sold me that grunge pedal. And I I don't ever think I got rid of it. Or maybe, you know, I think I traded it in at, at a guitar center for something else and got like 30 bucks for it. Um, but then... After that, it was like pretty much exclusively bass pedals for quite some time. So it was a dark glass B7K, and then the B7. Well, it was the Ultra, and then uh, you guys got me the Vintage uh, Overdrive, 
which was cool. The And then around that same time, I think I got an M9 maybe, or maybe that came later. I don't really remember. I think you had that multi-attack box on the Oh, yeah. That thing was crazy. I love that pedal. No, it was a GT10B. And so it was just like the guitar unit that they had at the time. And they make them now, but they're like, you know, updated. It was it was a silver multi-effects box that had an expression pedal on it. It had a looper built into it. Uh, and you could plug it right into the computer and like edit things or even record through yeah, it, which I mean, was it crazy. Like yeah, exactly. Except it was like silver and then it was like red accented. So it was super cool. Um yeah, I love that thing. That, that that thing sounded awesome. Um Yeah, those are some of my first first pedals. Um That reminded me that I was really nice that one uh Christian Kelly all died Kelly pedal. Yeah. And his dad got me the bulb, the proton bulb overdrive, the green one. Oh yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, 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 I remember that now. What year did we get you the uh, Galapagos shirt? It's completely unrelated. I just, <laughs> it just popped into my mind. Yeah, that, y that yellow shirt. Yeah, that guy was cool. Um, I still have that. Uh, periphery shirt and a few of the other ones, which is cool. Did I give you the Master Yoda one? Yeah, she wears it. Um, besides those, the the mainstays now have have had I haven't had the same VSE focus, but the VSE focus is like a mainstay for me. Um, I that one is basically like a filter boost pedal so it's kind of like a, a paranoid gt in a way but it's only like a high and low ch um what do you put it um low low pass and high pass filter um and so it's a boost pedal kind of like what uh, effectively does what like a gt in front of a, a high gain amp would do except without the the distortion involved or any sort of filtering but that my favorite delay ever, I still have, is the Ibanez DT7. Mm. Um, it's the, that in the like echo or kick setting um, does a thing that like I haven't got any other uh, delay for that pedal. And I've had a, a couple of them now. The last one that I remember having was the TG500 booster. Yep. Or it's like those a bigger really one. Cool. Um, so those two are sick. must have mentioned it in like either the second or the third episode of the podcast but the Crowther hot chase is like a mainstay for me now yeah that's a cool pedal that one i really like um as far as like an actual drive pedal and then um the bognar harlot that <laughs> one is like a like cheat code pedal because yeah talk about that pedal so i don't <laughs> absolutely embarrass myself <laughs> It's a it's a compressor slash boost pedal, so it's got level balloon, as, uh, which is just the amount of compression, and then a a tone control that's like a it's kind of like active where you turn it at, at 
noon, it's neutral, and you turn it up, it cuts bass and boosts treble, and then that's what the other way is, but uh, it's just very musical sounding, and it's just like, it's it's so, it's like, takes a lot of the thinking out of like messing with the compressor and like understanding the ratios and like where holes go with them. Uh, it's like a guitar, really a guitar player's like kind of compressor. Yeah. Um, but using it to boost for your, like a lead sound is like under the fingers is like super, super nice feeling. So that's why I call it like the two toes piece. Like you can get away with a lot going on. Um, and then also using it like I was saying earlier, too, um, for a clean sound is really cool, too, because you can use the level, and if you're in the case of, like, a, a semi-broken up amp, to bring the bring the signal down and then also apply compression so that um, you can strike it without it breaking up because the compressor will catch it, and then also you have, like, a, a matte feeling that you're given by nature of using the compressor. And mm -hmm. so it'll, it'll stay clean at that level that you set it pretty well but of course you can use it in front of like a, a super clean amp too and everything but that that one i love and it's also got like a really cool little led on the front that reacts to your playing and determines yep. how much um, compression and or boom that you put in there but uh that's that's like a secret weapon yeah that was seen. yeah yeah, Joey got me turned on to that, and uh, so the the draw of the original one, which came out some time ago, um, is that uh, our a cool added feature of it is that it has a Rupert Neve uh, transformer in it, um, and that was like branded on the V one of the pedal on the front, and then if you turn the pedal over, it had like a like a cutout that had like a little badge on it that said, uh, you know, like Neve on it. And then um, a couple years ago, they put out a version two, uh, and Joey had seen one originally when the version two came out. That even though it, uh, they came out and specifically said no more Neve, yeah. uh, there was one that was sold, and the guy opened it up, and it had the Neve transformer in it, even though it didn't have any of the branding on it. And so, what why that's interesting is uh, you can usually get the version two for quite a bit cheaper than you can the V one. Yeah. And so Joey got really lucky with his. He had one several years ago, and he sold it. And then he got another one from Guitar Center, and they had mislabeled it as a V2. Or they priced it as a V2, right? And then you you, you bought it or something? Yeah, I, I want to say it was labeled as a V2, but either way, it was priced the same as a V2 would be, which not a lot of folks even call them the V2. Like, unless you're selling the V1, and then you know that it means that people are going to get another pair, so they'll, they'll call it the V1 specifically. But most people, like, especially the guitar center, yeah. yeah, it was it was priced the same as um, as a V two was, and then somehow, some way, someone was listing just a Bogner Harlow box on eBay. By yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I don't. I, who would do I, that? I, I don't I'm know. I'm a big fan of the, of having the box with whatever you buy and keeping the box. So I bought the I bought a box for it off of Reverb as well. So now I have it and I have a box for it too. No, I haven't gotten there yet. Um, so anyway, uh, well, Joey had seen that uh, somebody else's V two in in like the the very first run of them had that had that transformer in it. So we started looking around on on Reverb, and I found a guy that was selling a version two for 
like a fair price. It was like 120 or 130 bucks or something. Um, and I actually messaged the guy and, and I was like, Hey, can you open it? <laughs> and he, he tried to open it and he couldn't. And it's because it, the, the, the housing of the pedal is actually constructed differently. So it doesn't just pop open on the bottom. You have to, you have to like do a few things to take the shroud off. Um, but anyway, I, I told him, I'll just go ahead and buy it. If it doesn't have it fine, like I can try to try and resell it or I'll just keep it. Anyway, I got it and it does have the Neve in it. Yeah. It's the same one as mine. Yeah. It's the same one as his, it just the, 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 the pedal like uh box and the, or like the shell, the, um, the enclosure is different. And the branding where the Neve logo went before is like um, a custom one from Bogner. So, I mean, cosmetically on the outside, it looks differently, but internally it's basically the same, yeah. which is super cool. So we yeah, both, I, I don't really know if like, if there's like a, I'm thinking or we're, we're thinking there's like an early one of them that has those and that the later ones don't, or they just stopped running or did, like maybe they had someone I don't really know. I, I was looking through the forums before about it. I want to say I saw some gift shops with other ones that are people just not bought or like a, a no brand. But yeah. Um, either way, both of ours did none of that issue with something, which is a big part of this deal for them. So yeah. Um, either way, thanks for clarifying that. Which that guy didn't know when he bought his, or or maybe he bought it used or something. So it it could have been like one of the very first ones, and then. Um, they make two other variations of the V1 just in case somebody like hits a wild hair and decides to buy one. They make a black one, which is usually very expensive, and they make one that has a, a walnut top. Uh, I think it's the dingo logo. Uh, okay, it's yeah. A wood top. Yeah, it's got a wood top on it, yeah. and those are usually expensive those too. Are both usually expensive, yeah. So you, you know, and it's just cosmetic changes. They're all V1s, but they just have like black on top or wood on top. Um, but yeah, you can get lucky with a V2 and hope hope that it has the Neve transformer in it and then Yeah. Um and also just back to what you said earlier about the uh delay pedal. Um I picked up a Boss uh Space Echo RE202, which I I really 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 enjoy playing with. It's probably the most fun I've had with a delay pedal. But I think for just pure character, my favorite LA pedal is probably a carbon copy from MXR. Um, like that was like the first like actual delay pedal I ever owned. I really like it a lot. I like the mod uh, switch on it. Um, it just has a unique flavor. I mean, you know, all analog delays kind of have their own flair to them. But there's just something about that pedal that I, I, I really like a lot. Yeah, it's also like deceptively simple, which is kind of nice. Like it's just got three knobs and the button on it. And then I believe you can open it up on the bottom and make some additional changes, but I, I haven't done that. Dylan?
overdrive pedal that I got not super long ago that I really like. It's the Jay Rocket Tech Archer. Hmm. It's like a built in overdrive. It's like kind of one of the many Klein style pedals. Yeah. It's just like really warm and thick, um, and it it just feels like like one of the retreat pedals, which is like makes it easy to solo and like helps you with your dynamics and stuff. And I really like that one, and kind of stacking it with my other like PX eight hundred eight mini, kind of like can get some cool combinations with that. Um, another really unique pedal that I have and like a lot is the Electro Harmonic Futon. Oh yeah. It's a really cool pedal. I had it, got it like 2016 or 17, and I didn't use it for a while. And then when I finally, like sometime after I'd moved up here, I pulled it out and just kind of use it even more because that pedal just seemed like it came mm-hmm. together really quick. It's very, very short. Yeah. But um, the 24 volt pedal is the one that I think is like the best one for it. Mm, yeah, it's awesome. Huh. But it, it's cool. It's very dynamic. Like it, the, the harder you play, the stronger the effect is. But still gives you um, and then another cool pedal that I like is the BMXR Univibe. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you've had that for a while, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and definitely getting to listen to Fires and uh, Cool Whip. What is that? Vibrato Wisely yeah. kind of thing, simulations, like just really interesting sounds and stuff. And that, that pedal's a lot of fun, too. Um, pedal, a couple pedals that Here, I can find out. Another one is the JHS Artificial Blonde from that 2017 signature. It's like mm. a lo-fi pedal. Yeah. And I really like those sounds. Like I picked it up um, when I was really into Max Demarco a few years ago. I bought an Olympus MIDI Verb 4. Uh-huh. Like a super old school primitive like rack multi-effects unit. Mm-hmm. And it had just a lot of those sounds. Just like YouTube or yeah. uh, Chorus mix all the way up sound filtering. to try kind of like these more generic lo-fi pedals that yeah kind of like micro detuning and make it feel kind of like just because that's such a unique like avenue and pedal yeah really cool. chase bliss is the one who, who makes the generation loss yeah i don't know exactly like the specifics that separates the two but those are like two that come to mind that really kind of do that kind of sound you know yeah definitely one that I would like to own eventually too because it's just like such a, a clever, you know, yeah. modern high gain position. It has the noise gate built into it and it has so much more controls than a traditional tube string really when it comes to those applications. It's kind of my same, you know, just like a, a staple in the collection. Kind of the same reason like why I just got two sticks of each kind from everyone that I've had. Yeah. Yeah, the 
I've always wanted a precision drive too. It would be cool to try and snag a Tokyo drive if I could, um, which is the same is pedal. Just yeah, I have a Tokyo drive. it's just it's the same pedal but with like different cosmetics basically. Um, so my I still have my Tart uh, Glass B7K Ultra. It's the the second generation of it. I actually don't use that too often anymore for bass stuff. Um, for bass overdrive at the moment, I've been using a way huge pork and pickle, uh, which is an overdrive and a fuzz, and it has a blend option on it. Um, so like you can toggle between overdrive or fuzz, uh, and then you've got like clean blend, uh, you know, gain obviously, and then uh, a couple of EQ knobs. And I'm really stoked on that pedal. Actually, it sounds awesome. Um, and both the the overdrive and the fuzz are like very usable which is cool to see um that was recommended to me by a friend of ours at um at uh hubbard's music and more here in las cruces and uh for guitar i've been using a, a wampler tumnus deluxe um which is a, an it's an it's another clone um it's got um a three band EQ and then it also has uh, a switch on it which is like normal and and hot and then the if you switch it to hot it gives it like a little bit of a high-end boost I believe um, I keep it on normal most of the time uh, but that's a really cool pedal also you have a little more control over the EQ um, sounds a little fuller uh, Wampler makes good stuff so I've always been a fan of of him um, and then in front of that, I've got the Harlow, like we talked about earlier. And then that's going into uh, a Boss MS3, which is like a multi-effects unit um, that takes analog pedals uh, and will incorporate them into your effect chain, which is, which is cool. I don't use it to its full potential. That's definitely more Joey's thing. I, I feel like I should give it to him because I know he could get full use out of it. Uh, I just need to buy one. I had one briefly, and I just I didn't know. So I, I've been meaning to get another one. But that's a very cool unit. Yeah. I think we've both been pretty big fans of like a number of like certain multi-effects you make, including the M2 from Line 6, yep. M9, the M5, um, and then the MS3 from Boss. So those are all really cool. They have some effects that are like, based off of classic ones, but they also have some unique ones. Like those were those of the M3 had like very, very unique effects on them that a lot of people like even like a lot of like pro musicians and like the masters would just still use them now. Yeah. Like other, other stuff because they just like fell into stuff. Yeah. Unfortunately the screen on mine is damaged. I pulled that out like quite a while ago and the screen is, is screwed up. Like it got too hot or something fell on it. Mm -hmm. Um it still it still works, but you just can't tell what's going on. Like you can't see what's on the panel at all. Oh no, that's weird. Because remember you guys got the Ursula that was really cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's such a such a crazy amp, and there's been no successors to it yet. So. Yeah, it's been out for a, a while now. It came out in like 2017. Yeah. Yeah. So like six years ago. Um. And they're still actively made, which is like really interesting. You would think that they would either 
like refresh it or cut off uh, production, especially if it's still selling, but I don't know. Uh, Boss makes like a thousand things, so that's. Yeah, they have forms of them that are like a, a box with a dial on it instead of a, like a drum box. Like just normally the knob is like a it's a, like a click where it clicks on. Well, not just a power and it's powered on, but yeah, it just clicks. Before they would sit like on top of the amps, like people whenever they were using those like a security setter, you sit like on top of the amp and plug into that and get through into um, the amplifier after that. But they have like kind of I mean in some ways it's kind of like using like a boost into a high gain thing only because like like with the example of the AC30 it was like there was so little low end already in an AC30 that using that like was one of the only ways you could really get more volume because it was just like it leaned up the signal so much that like I don't really know how to how to explain I guess it was like it cuts through in a way that's different like it sounds like it's just treble and some of it most of it is but it's like kind of an upper mid-range thing that um people would usually get be heard even more but the, especially the the cable top versions i thought sound pretty cool yeah it looks good i like the whole tube piece a lot yeah. that's really crazy i've never even seen one of those before that's cool Oh yeah. oh yeah, yeah yeah, Whammy? yeah. Whammy, right? Yeah, Whammies are cool. Yeah. Very fun. Yeah, people can ride their bongs around. Yeah. Um. Trying to think about uh, other interesting things. Um. Yeah, I've got a uh, Boss RE5, which is cool. Um, I really have a lot of fun with that. Wait, is that the model of it? RC? Yeah, RC5, not RE5. Um, it's a 1 by 15. Another pedal that I really, really, really want to try is the Microcosm. Yeah. I think like everybody's pretty hot and heavy over that thing they're they're really popular now but that just seems like such a cool idea uh hologram electronics yeah microcosm and they're they retail at like 459 and then they you can get them used sometimes for like 425 Yeah, shout out Toilet Sand for sure. Yeah, he does. He's also a super cool guy. Always been really kind to us.
Boomerang Looper, the Pokemon Mystery Mirrors. I know a couple of those. Oh, yeah. I just use those. I don't know if they're particularly great, but they look cool. You know, from that cool era when all the mirrors went into fights. Yeah. No, they don't, but man, that thing looks like, it looks like something out of the 90s. That's crazy. Marty McFly spotted a boomerang. <laughs> <laughs> it does look like something he would, he would have used. <laughs> yeah, man, I swear by it. I swear by it. <laughs> <laughs> you have to go and find those. Yeah, well. I'll just leave them in. <laughs> um, I'll rely on the isotope software to clean it up. We're next. I don't know. How long ha have we been going, Dylan? Excuse me. <laughs> 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 oh, like 20 or $30 less than 200 That's not bad. What did you do for the frack hole? Tired of the frack hole. <laughs> Okay, what do we want to move on to next before you start to record? He's already recording. Are you? Yeah. Son <laughs> of a bitch! <laughs> uh, do we want to talk about... I mean, I feel like... Uh, it depends on how specific we want to get, I guess, but we can talk about boutique versus mass market pedals. We can talk about... We've already kind of talked about differences between overdrives a little bit, not in detail, but I figured that would be like the deep dive episode. Yeah, like what about this one here? This owl pedals. Uh, oh, yeah. Is this like pedal holders? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, you know, like the boutiques. Yeah. Um, yeah, we can dive in on that. That's cool. Okay. Welcome to the Desert Tones podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> uh, so another thing that's probably worth talking about right is your uh, signal chain and uh, the order in which you put pedals and uh, the way that one pedal interacts with another um, depending on where they're at in the chain um, you know there's kind of a traditional way of doing it um, that I actually have had to read and reread several times because I forget um but, uh, you know, um, and then you can also cycle in like, uh, effects pedals like reverb and delay and things like that into an effects loop of an amp if you have one or put them before the amp. So I guess I'm just wondering like what you guys think about pedal order, how you choose to order things and, and like why you order them that, that way. Is it, uh, is everything okay, Dylan? Well, you can't say sorry now. It's already going off. <laughs> Do I have to say what I said again? No, well, I, I mean, I feel, I feel good about how I said it, so I didn't stutter a thousand times. You directed both of us. Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, 
yeah, so, I mean, I guess, uh, from what I know about, like, a standard arrangement for Federal Order, uh, again, this is, like, not off. <laughs> not a like, hard and fast uh, rule or anything, but typically what you see is a, um, like, all of your, like, Impedance-sensitive um, pedals, like some stuff like Vintage Fuzzies, Waz, seems like it's several deep here. Anything with like a Dominion transistor, like a Proton transistor, are going to like change it into like input buffering, assuming you have a buffer, which is another thing we'll talk about. But uh, normally those go in the front, because um, you guys don't like seeing buffers like a lot of pedals have. Um, like we'll say like Boss pedals, for example, all have, or I'm pretty sure nearly all of them have buffers, but... Yeah. Normally those want to see like the signal from the guitar first, and then after that you generally see things like um, dynamic affecting pedals, compressors, filters, um, even octaves. You usually see those first because those like to see the guitar input as well so they can react as uh, dynamically as possible to those. Uh, normally after that you see di distortion and overdrive pedals. boosting EQs um, after that. I'll just, a pretty common arrangement. I like using them beforehand too. Uh, just again, there's a bunch of different ways you can do it. Uh, volume pedal placement's an interesting one because um, a lot of people will use it after the drive section, which is um, has its pros. Um, I guess the theory is that you have the guitar volume knob on your guitar anyway, so you don't really need it beforehand. I do like having it in there beforehand because it's just easier to do with your foot than having to reach down to, to grab it on the guitar, which is still fine. Um, but if you have it after all the drives, like that's another thing that varies. Like just like you don't get the same effect. You just get it acts as a master volume. Yeah. I think that is all it does. And so your your drive, your level of drive and gain and everything prior to that doesn't change. Just the volume level does. So that can be useful for some things. But um, and then typically modulation effects, chorus. Tremolo, vibrato, thing, uh, phaser, phaser, um, all of that usually comes second to last, and then last is usually the drum and bass effects, so delay and reverb. And some people like those in different orders too, so yeah. it's a little bit different. Um, but that's sort of like a standard thing. And then again, normally you, if you have like a, if you're trying to build like a nice pedal board, you'll often have like an input buffer and an output buffer um, for both. But um, that's that's normally how they do it. But again, you can do it. Dylan spoke earlier about like using delays and shit like distorted sounds in the front, and that helps a cool sound too. So there's no like real rule about them. Whatever yeah. sounds good. I have an input buffer. I don't have an output buffer. Um, yeah, I mean, well, a lot of pedals will. Um, they just not all buffers are created equal. Right. Yeah. You know, like even the even the boss ones are fine, but there, like, there are, I hesitate to say higher quality, but, like, better matched ones to get. Yeah. Um, normally, like, it, it's really just the impedance. Uh, normally, like, I want to say Mason Mangellic and Vertex Cell reproduce, like, that a whole spiel on uh, buffers and the impedance ones. I want to say it's, like, ideally you want, like, a 1 meg input impedance and a 100 ohm output impedance. One is I want to say it's like in the 500 
somewhere down your chain. I'm not sure if that's right, but um, yeah, I mean, you don't, it depends on how many things you have in the Sigma staff, obviously, because then you get like how many true bypass pedals you have, how many buffer pedals you have. Um, but generally, like, it's kind of like you wanted like a, a really nice setup that you were assuring you had no de uh, degradation in your Sigma, and especially to drive like long cable signals um, in and out of the pedal board. And then cutting off the buffers is really the other thing that helps out. Yeah. Yeah, my board is set up basically exactly like like you described. I mean, that exact series of events mm -hmm. all the way t to the end. The, the only thing are and I, I just I've got my looper at the very end of the chain and then uh my 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 volume pedal is actually hooked up to my Big Sky and uh and the um MS3 um after the after the tuner does the looper go at the end or does it just i put it at the end so it picks up everything yeah you put it at the end it's kind of like recording a station the DAW, where it's like like putting it in the front would be like recording a di yeah basically and then putting it at the end is like recorded i can't remember because i not that long ago i i made my fake copy to do the looper and have it so i can record regular sound and then put a delay on and play over the top and then do the tune and play over the top of it. So yeah, probably so do it at the end. Yeah, I usually end up having them at the end so you can use them. Yeah. And that's, again, the fun thing to do is have them at the very end. Yeah. Well, the cool thing about the, about my looper is that it also has like, like drum beats built into it. So like if I want to like play, play bass to one of them or something, I can do that or, uh, you know, like get a, a feel for a part, you know, with like, as you know, these are not real drums, so they definitely don't sound like real drums, but kind of have that sense. Like something that's like a real drum part. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then plus it's got all the, like all the effects on it that I would be playing it with normally, you know? So, um, yeah. Uh, I, I've pretty much never used an effects loop. Even when I've had one, I've never used it. I just put like, uh, modulation or time-based effects at the end of the chain. I don't put them after the or before or after the amp, or I don't put them after the amp, um, like the effects loop does. Mm, you mean you mean like in like a digital version? Yeah, even yeah. In, even in that either. Yeah. I do like I do like having some of them um, after. <coughs> it's a nice thing because you get you don't get and again for effects. For some effects, it's it's cool to have the, the distortion on the delay scale. So that's one thing that you avoid by having it in the effects loop. Is <coughs> the trails um, aren't being distorted. It's really just like the distorted sound is being uh, delayed, and it's just that's part of the scale themselves. So it's really different effects. It's like easier to compare it with like a reverb or like a huge explosion of sound. It's like the distortion is being amplified through the cave, not the cave being distorted. Yeah. Uh, which is another thing you want to try and do with cave rasters. So I do like them. I mean, they're a bit more work to to have set up more cables and everything. And again, you might just kind of be concerned about the cable length and whether to get all that set up or well too. But for some things, especially if you want like the really pristine, clean delay sound, um, having it having it in the, the loop helps. And then there's other benefits too, like in the high gain realm, having something like a gate that's like maybe not 
Your only gate, that one that can connect the preamp bit between the preamp and power amp is also really helpful. I did that a lot on the um Injector when I had it, cuz you have the gate on the front but then you can put a gate in the foot switchable effects loop in the back to restore it and use the preamp as free, so you just like dead shout like you don't get these kind of Sound at all, yeah. Yeah, and Yeah, that's cool. So, there are reasons to do it. Um and then there's like so we can mess with like running stereo and wet dry rig and wet dry wet rig and all of that that maybe would be another episode to have to to speak about all that, but um yeah, yeah. they're cool. Yeah, I actually have a lot of uh, questions about running things in stereo, like how to do that correctly, like how to exactly wire it. And yeah, yesterday I was just watching uh, Kurt Cobain's rig rundown, and he's using the GLX plug, but it's a different thing. They were talking about like uh, stereo rigs and how to use use different things, and also like John Bonham ones and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's another thing that we'll probably have to dedicate an entire episode to, which we've talked about before, is just like modeling, uh, and 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 effects modeling. Um, we, we've talked about it briefly with amplifiers, but it's something that we all use or have used to a certain extent, um, whether it be Line Six equipment or uh, Fractal equipment or or Boss equipment. Um, uh. And I definitely think that 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 just to kind of talk about it like briefly, I guess um, effects modeling has its place, uh, and it it's unique in some ways too. Like you can capture uh, effects and and certain sounds that you know even if they're they are emulating a a certain pedal, they've got their own flavor to them. Um, and there's also like that convenience factor of just having everything in one box. Um, which you know you could also argue is a downside, right? Like uh, on the MS3, you have all these effects in, in in one box. They're all they're all boss effects. So whether or not you think that's cool or not is largely dependent on on your own taste. Um, but uh, yeah, in the case of that, it's like to me, it's like a a Swiss Army knife. Like it's yeah. more like it's meant to like accommodate a simple setup. And in the case of the MS3 and a couple of XK pedals. And then have you have options for adding different things where and when you need them, or if you just want to experiment. Like, I don't want to spend money dedicating or de- to a dedicated tremolo pedal. This one has one on it that I can use um, to try and enhance, or any number of other things like that. Uh, maybe I don't want to buy a dedicated chorus pedal or um, anything like that. So. Yeah, it just depends on your needs and what you're looking for too. You know. Yeah. Well, yeah. Some people just want to get the boss basic pedals. They just want, you know, pretty basic and, and stuff. And then what some other people they want really just decent bass kit pedals. And there's certain reasons why they're really looking for a specific kit of overdrive. And also, there are a lot of like manufacturers that can um, hardly ever tell when you're going to have that specific combination of features that you're really looking for. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's fun too because it's like a very personal thing. Like most everything else it's uh you know i don't know too many people that have like maybe there's some similarities with the with their boards and their setup for it but you know there's 
there's just so much variation with all that there is out there. Um, and yeah, it's just fun to like the drive pedals that we all choose to use are currently pretty different, but we all, there's still, still common ground, obviously nobody's all the same length, but, yeah. um, yeah, it's cool to go and see what other people like to use, what they've landed on. And there's something cool about the, I like, I guess something about the multi-effects thing is that you're kind of like at the mercy of whatever that particular brand or manufacturer is like, you're kind of trusting their ear for all those sounds yeah. in there. And so like, you see people that have like every Strymon pedal together and that's like, that's cool too. Of like, you're really into the Strymon sound uh, and all of them. But like, I think for me and like a lot of people, it's like about finding like, I like Strymon's take on this. Yeah. I like Bossy's take on this. Um, and sometimes it's like not just limited to that. Like I like a lot of drive pedals and a lot of different other pedals. Um, so like, and I've said this, times before and I said this before too like I I could much easier like I much more easily see myself with like many more pedals than something like Mantis that fires or even Mantis guitars yeah 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 yeah. they take up less space but it's also like this is the flavor of uh, this is one particular flavor that I can pull out with relative ease and set up and um, you know satisfy that it's for like relatively low commitment too depending on Yeah. Yeah, um, just to add one more thing on to that is like, it is interesting. Uh, we had talked about this a few weeks ago, which whenever I started like building the pedal kits and that kind of thing, I was like, yeah, it would be interesting to try to make my own pedal. And you said like, like that is unique. And you said, good luck. Because it's like, there's so many people now yeah. making pedals that it's like every almost every avenue it feels like has been actively covered yeah i think for some things especially like drive pedals yeah like i mean I, it's hard to say literally but like to some degree i almost think it's like not an original circuit anymore like so much has already been done like you'd have to have like all new technology and in that case like it's hard to not try to use that to like accomplish the same things that were done before and just in a different, like a better way. Yeah. Instead of like a whole new way of getting a sound that's not just what you get with the passive versus diodes or stuff there. Like it's just, yeah, it's tough. I mean, you may have like, I mean, you could say maybe like taking a tube screener and adding in like all these different other features on that makes it different, but it's still, like again, original original circuits are very hard to come by. Now, so yeah, you can have your take on is what you see more often. Yeah, well, it's because all of the incentive is to kind of cover the old ground, like because that's what people like. So yeah. you know, you don't really have a lot of reason to like make this entirely new thing. Yeah, and I think some of it too, though, is like even if it's even if the intent is to get it like. I don't know, I think amp in a box pedals is an example. Like I, I really like an example that comes to mind is the Walrus Audio um, three eighty five. It's like voice to sound like or the idea is that it sounds like a an amplifier from an old like projector. Yeah. Check out and there's like you stick the guitar and it sounds really cool. And I think that like that on its own, like I don't remember any other pedal that was voice to sound or like made 
or the intent was to sound like a projector amplifier. But even if that's the case, I don't know that the circuit itself is radically different than any other drive pedal um, in like design. Yeah. Um, it just you know the I, again I don't know like it could be as as simple as like we just decided to use this combination of components and um, change the tone stack on this way so that it sounds more like that but like that layout and construction is identical to like hundreds of other pedals I don't know I, I would guess though that even what I'm saying is that even if the intent is to get is to sound like something that doesn't it doesn't exist in the market already I assume from the ways that you do that is still like a pretty standard yeah method of doing things like yeah there's like a, a, a way to do that that's like very very common so um yeah yeah pedal designs and how people are still putting stuff out is kind of crazy yeah I guess like all of the novelty can come from like parameter parameterizing every possible value and that's where like uh multi effects uh, uh, units like kind of have a unique or maybe a one up because they can kind of put in infinite knobs almost you can't you, you know like on a emulation of a tube screamer like you know there's only going to be so many knobs but like you can achieve such fine grained values, but whether or, or not those are, are, are like hearable is something else. Yeah. Um, but like, that's the only like, like maybe feasible way I can see. But even in that case, the circuitry itself is not different. It's just how you're achieving sound is slightly, slightly different. Yeah. Anyway, that's a whole other conversation. Um, I guess we want to wrap. Yeah. yeah. Well, so um, it's pretty clear to me that we're going to have to go into several more episodes here talking about pedals and talking about specific subcategories of pedals. Um, it's just such a huge topic and um, there's so much more to go over. And we've kind of just scratched the surface in the hour plus we've been talking about it now. Um, maybe if we didn't screw around so much, we could have gotten more done. Um, but yeah, we want to thank everybody for sticking around and listening. Uh, this is our seventh episode, and we're still like really excited and happy to keep doing this. Yeah, it's been really cool. I think they're probably going to work on making an Instagram, so we just want to have a cool place to contact with people. Like if people have an idea for an episode or like want a music of something that they deep dive or something, like feel free to tweet that. So yeah, that's a good idea. Getting that out there to people would be fun. So definitely, we'll definitely have continue to really. Yeah, of course. Yep. All right, and on that bombshell, we will see you next month. Adios. See ya. Hasta luego.